This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. For people who are listening on the podcast, this is the VPZD show. I'm ZDog MD, Dr. Zubin Damania. This is Dr. Fanai Prasad. It's good to be back. It's good to be in person. In you know? person. In person. And we are uh, face mas- to face. Face to face, maskless in Seattle, but we're <laughs> in the Bay. And uh, what's cool is so people who watch, who, who listen only to the podcast, they can click a link in the description and it'll take them to the YouTube video. They so, want to see our smiling faces. You know don't what? They? We're so attractive, too. That's the other thing. We were just, both you and me were just sharing stories about how we've lost like random weight just by not eating out. Well, yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy, but uh, I don't know. Is it a good thing? Yeah. Feel better. I feel better. Yeah, I mean, it's better. It's better. an easier way to lose weight than getting a malignancy. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, with the way inflation is, you got to eat at home. I mean, you can't afford to eat it's out It's really anymore. true. Yeah. But even eating at home, you like look at the bread prices. Remember when George H.W. Bush during the mm-hmm. campaign for re-election in 91 against Clinton <clears throat> couldn't name like how much a loaf of bread costs? I, I remember. And uh, and what about Dr. Oz and his little vegetable plate? Or, oh, that was great. The yeah. crudité. <laughs> the crudité. The crudité. We, we all have all the time, obviously. I the mean, crudité, obviously. My wife was making a crudité. <laughs> Can you believe it was $20? And that's before the tequila. But it's funny. This inflation is linked to COVID-19, don't you think? Because oh, yeah. Uh, had and, and this is something that I think John Unides kind of hinted at the original stat op-ed, which was that all these restrictions were placing and, and the injection of capital into the market. Mm-hmm. So like the Biden stimulus was probably an overshoot which is what Larry Summers and others say, right. that has led to inflation. People have hoarded their money. They've had an injection of capital. They've been all this um, you know, business bailout, buyback bullshit. And uh, now there's a, there's a flood of capital and it's leading to runaway inflation. Absolutely. And the thing is, people think that, that just printing money is like, oh, that's just free money for me. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not how that works. That's like what that Epi 101 was, uh, oh, just stay at home and we'll give you checks. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I think that's not Epi 101, that's Econ 101. And you, you blundered it. <laughs> and you one. failed it. You blundered right. it, yeah. Well, so yeah. it's funny. So like both <clears throat> you and I have done a couple talks recently which is nice because the speaking thing now people are willing to have conferences it's good to it's good to be back there on stage isn't it it's amazing actually at first i'll, I'll be honest i had started having panic attacks because it's been so long and, and you no longer wear pants so and i don't big, wear pants yeah, so that's I, a big I mean, i'm not wearing them now i won't wear them in the future <laughs> yeah. it's just a it's a hill i'm willing to die on uh, it's the zoom legacy it yeah. is it's yeah. a legacy of the being pantless while talking in fact i don't think i can talk with the constriction around my waist <laughs> you know my, my my 32 waist or whatever it is um but yeah, but so was, you're giving a talk so and so, you like it up there so i gotta say at first i was terrified because i'm also unable to be inauthentic in any way anymore there's something mm-hmm. has clicked in my head where it's like life is short you always want to be yourself i just want to be myself and after mm-hmm. all this like meditation and all this bullshit i am i have a, it's almost like stabbing myself to try to put on an act that isn't actually what i'm feeling in that moment so i was like oh this is gonna be but what i found was wow people are like desperate for the in-person juice like the vibe of being together they're they're 
seeing each other. So the, the, the one I did just the other day was right here in San Francisco. And it was a big multi-specialty medical group, 500 docs. Doctors. And doctors. And it was last minute. They were like, could you come? And we're mm -hmm. doing a, a thing mm -hmm. that we haven't, we have not seen each other mm -hmm. face to face like this in three years without masks. We wow. have not. And this is the first event. We just want to have fun and we want to do this thing, but we want to inspire people. So on. So I'm like, okay, great. So I came with no slides. I was just like, I'll just talk off the cuff. It'll be great. And the room was set up in this very long way, 500 people, spouses, <clears throat> and they started drinking the minute they hit the thing. They were ready to go. They were fired <laughs> up. These are like in COVIDian central geography, mm -hmm, right? Like mm -hmm. these are people who, who they're walking the walk, they're wearing N95s, you know, to work and they're doing all of that. I see. And so, but- But not at the conference. Not at the conference. Yeah, at course, the conference, yeah. everybody, and my buddy who is in that organization was telling me, he's like, wow, I haven't seen faces like this in three years. And so the minute I walked in and I see the, the cocktail hour starting and people starting to hang out and if some people are recognizing me and stuff, I'm like, this talk is gonna be irrelevant because they're not gonna be listening to it. I see. They're gonna be at these round big conference tables talking right. to each other. So whatever I say, it doesn't even matter. So my stage fright went away. Okay. And I went up and I just made a bunch of jokes and the people within the range of my voice that could see me directly where there was social capital in paying attention, yeah. they were paying attention and laughing. Everybody, anywhere down the line in this long rectangular room, they were just talking to each other and yucking it up. It was so loud, I couldn't hear myself on stage. Even when you were talking? Even when I was wow. talking. Wow. And I thought, oh, I would've thought, oh, maybe it's me. No, no, no. The leaders of the org who were speaking before and after, you couldn't even hear them. I see. These so people were so excited to see each other. They were so excited. Yeah. Now, you would've <clears throat> caught me five years ago and I would've done a thing at an audience and that would've happened to me. I would've taken it deeply personally. Sure. I've been like, I'm an incompetent speaker. I can't command their attention and so on uh -huh. and so on. Here I was like, I even said it. I go, you guys, this is so awesome to see. Like, look at people who haven't seen each other without a mask, who are drinking, who are having fun, who are re-engaging as humans. Like, this is what's gonna transform the organization. And they weren't pulling up the mask between sips. <laughs> in, in the heart, it was uh -huh. like the Lothlorien of Elvendom, yeah. like right, the Covidian the Central, heart. San Francisco. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Las Vegas in the heart of the Vatican. That's you know? right, <laughs> exactly right. That's what it's, it was like. It was like it's debauchery, yeah, right in the middle of the temple. So interesting, you yeah. know. And uh, I had a similar experience. I gave a lecture recently to a healthcare professional audience, and uh, we were talking maybe a thousand people in a room, and it was packed. Um, but what was different was they weren't seated in a way they could talk to each other. They were seated all, you know, all eyes on stage. And I could tell, you know, obviously um, I have a little bit of jokes, not, uh, it wasn't a full, it wasn't a full comedy set. because you actually have science involved. I tried to, but yeah. you know, to me, the science was a dud. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody want to learn about multiple hypothesis testing and analytic flexibility. Ain't nobody want to learn about that. What they wanted to see was I've collected some of my favorite COVID headlines, you oh, know, and that wow. would crush. Oh, it was crushing. So and good. you could just tell. Like, you know, the focus was so there and people were looking to laugh, uh, not a mask in sight, not a mask in sight. You Dude, know? it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you look, you and I are connoisseurs of speaking, right? We love communication. We take we pride love that, in the craft. That we take pride in the craft. Like we love getting in a flow state and so on. You know, what was crazy about the event I did in San Francisco was flow state was not the issue there because you can't do it. It's too loud. What it was, was feeling the energy of a crowd that is so pumped to be, so here's the punchline to this whole story. So I go down they, after- They all got COVID-19. They all got COVID. It was a, it was super, a super spreader, spreader event. Dinner. 
everybody died. Yeah, of course. No, worse yeah, no. yet, they all got long COVID. Of Every course. Last I one mean, of the them. brains just shrunk just right up. Shrunk up. Shrunk right up. And it shrunk up. And it, many of them have had COVID six, seven times. Of course. And it was that's when you get time. the maximum brain shrinkage. It's yeah. constant. That it which slowly shrinks everything. You know, I hear that's why I keep reading articles saying yeah. that COVID does all. You know, the pro- yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I will know. say, you know, the uh, they don't list priapism. <laughs> As a complication of long COVID, but I suffer from it. I see, I've I never see. even had documented COVID, but I consider that a long COVID side effect. But but, but what was interesting? So yeah. I, it also I also had shorter uh, of a time to speak than they had planned because the cocktail hour went so long. Wow. They couldn't round people up to sit wow. down. Now here's here's so it ends and then there's dancing and dinner and like photo booth and all this kind of fun stuff that they do. Yeah. Dude, I was freaking mobbed by people. They weren't even listening to the talk but they wanted to connect. They were taking selfies. They were like, oh, I love you and VP when you talk all that smack. Like we can't say that stuff on, you know, and-, and, and Yeah, I, they often say, I agree with you fully, but I'm very hesitant to say that. And Dude, it was awesome. And it made me think yeah. you and I need to go on the road as a tag team, uh-huh. like off the top rope. Like I tag my boy, <laughs> I tag my boy VP. He makes some jokes, comes in with some science. I come out, do a little great, rap. It would be a great show. You it know? would be great. So be, if you're out there listening and you want to see this <laughs> in a theater near you, you got to right. talk gotta, to our representation, yeah. which is us. Yeah, which is e, which is Z Dog. Actually, yeah. email Z. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, but, but uh, it, it uh, and, and it did one in Nashville. It was the same thing. Dude, wow. People are just so. I mean, you're absolutely right in so many fronts. And then one thing I also want to point out is for those people out there who say that there, there's no downside to masking. I'm sorry, you can see instantly. You learn more about what somebody yeah. feels and thinks, and and it is a barrier to communication. If it weren't, people would have been doing it for all this time and they don't why why is the face the most expressive organ you know for a reason to communicate yeah. lots of how you're feeling and when you give a talk i was about to say a swear word but remember we're trying <laughs> oh, yeah, not we're to, trying right, our best to. we're trying our best um, but I, it was about zoom and so i think maybe it would have been warranted effing but, zoom, yeah, yeah. Effing <laughs> zoom. and you know with zoom you do not have the same feeling as when you give a talk in person you are seeing the reactions of everyone. You know That's when right. you have them, we know when you lost them. I know, for instance, when I got into multiple hypothesis testing, I had lost them. <laughs> yeah. And I had them when I pulled it back to things that were more practical and concrete and less sort of theoretical. You feel it. You feel and it. And you feel the flow of energy in that room. Now, here, here's an interesting thing I just well, realized. Well, a good speaker feels it. A bad speaker will just oh, plow through. doesn't even care. They plow through their plow slides. Through. They like, read the little thing at the bottom yep. of the PowerPoint slide yep. while the audience contemplates suicide, suicide or worse. Suicide or, or homicide. Or homicide, right, right. right. Or, or, the, t- or, the, tr- or the twain. The twain. Because yeah, the, the, the dreaded murder, murder, <laughs> the suicide. murder suicide. Yeah. yeah, which is the gold standard these days. So, you, so well, one thing I just realized, yeah. when you pointed out Zoom, I actually did a trial myself in this talk, because here's how the room was set up. It was oblong like this. In the corners, they couldn't see me physically at all, at all. Like it was like being in a different room, Mm. but they had monitors, small LCD monitors with low bandwidth and a poor quality feed. They had to watch me through the monitor and you watch the gradient of attention. The circle around Mm. me where the Petri dish can feel the vibe, they were all intent. And in fact, later they told me, I couldn't understand why people were so loud. And I told them I could, as it fades out to the sides, They're watching a Zoom talk. They're watching a Zoom talk. They don't feel the energy. They can't hear my voice clearly. It's all reamplified, and it's a totally different. And they're wondering what they did wrong in life to end up in that seat. <laughs> Why can't I be in the front row? Exactly. But let me tell you something. So after I did this, I came back to um, the mothership, and I was giving and I was attending some lectures around campus, and uh, I'm in a big auditorium, and uh, there may be 30 people in an auditorium that could easily see 200. And uh, it's ninety percent and ninety five, oh. um, and there's levels of it. There's the there's the person who wears the um, the KF ninety four 
over the ears, over you the know? Ears, yep. And then every so often you catch him pulling it down to take a few breaths. I mean, I've seen people yeah, do this. Yeah, I've seen it. Older people particularly. Um, then there's the person who you know ain't screwing around. They're wearing an N95 fitted with the two latex bands over the head and it's cutting into their oh, cheeks. yeah. And that's someone, I promise you, they ain't drinking anything at that time. No. They are going thirsty if they have to. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Then you've got people like me who's going to comply with the minimum compliance requirement. Right. Or actually, I don't even know if there was one, but I felt at some point I feel so- um, Pressured. I mean, you just, I mean, again, like I don't want to be the only person- It's a cultural stand, thing, yeah. I mean, I don't know. As much as we like to buck trends at some point, you know, I- yeah, no, no, no. I'm with if, you. If if everyone is going to wear a Patagonia fleece to work, I'm going to wear a Patagonia. I'm no. wearing one, and it's going to say Z Dog and be on it. It's going to be the bro. If everyone's going to wear the Patagonia bro. fleece, totally. Then you know, but if everyone's going to wear a suit and tie in New York City, then you're going to wear. Okay, have to do it. so when in Rome, but right. Okay, but I was there, and that's also called reading the crowd. Reading the crowd. Yeah. I mean, you have to that's know right. where you are. That's right. We're social creatures. And yeah. let's say if you feel a tickle in your throat, you better put a lozenge in because this is a crowd. They don't want to hear oh, you. No, they don't want to hear you cough. They don't want to hear. Many of them have probably had COVID once or twice. Yep. But they're still worried about. They're all multi-boosted and long COVID. And, uh, all the long COVID. The longest. The COVID. longest of COVIDs. But I, let me tell you. So then on the screen, on the screen behind the speaker, there were all the people who would have liked to be in there, but they felt for one reason or another that, that they didn't want to be there. And they showed their Zoom faces on the screen. Oh my. And you know, you shouldn't be looking like, I mean, I, I think I think when people are on Zoom, they say it feels like all eyes are on me. Well, yeah. this was one instance where, yeah, well, it's true. Yeah. They're all up there and we're watching you do whatever you're doing. And I love the person on Zoom, like on their iPhone. And it's like, you know, from iPhone and they're just walking around and like confused. That's the best. Distracting everybody. Distracting everyone because there's emotion in the field. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny because my friend Angelo does meditation retreats virtually. And he says, you actually do del develop a lot of concentration, but when you watch the recordings of those, there's multiple people because you can see their faces. There's always some dude like, oh, with the, with the thing. It's like, dude, you're totally messing my samadhi, my meditative concentration. He does it meditation on Zoom. Yeah. Oh, and what's interesting is it's more it's more the setting the intention so everybody comes and, and it actually works really well. It's almost like going on a retreat if you take it seriously. But, but what's interesting is so yeah. there were a few people at this thing wearing masks and they were older and so on. And they stuck out like a sore thumb at your it, thing yeah yeah my thing at my thing zero i'm zero. talking a thousand people zero yeah but, but go it was on weird your thing, the, yeah. the 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 sticking out like a sore thumb was almost like oh you can actually see by contrast how abnormal it is when when it's not necessary to i mean it, maybe for them it was maybe they're immunocompromised maybe they're worried maybe there's something else going on or maybe they're conditioned it doesn't matter but you could tell you're like this is not right like you can't read their face you can't see what's going on so you just side by side you can tell what's going yeah. on yeah i mean in san francisco though when you see a group of people and some are wearing n95 and some aren't it's inversely proportional to risk of disease it's yeah, the youngest always. youngest healthiest, people yep especially on a public transportation i see high school kids do it yep and listen i was reading something that says you know two thirds of americans are immunocompromised that's not true, actually. I mean, yeah, not yeah. The, I mean, unless you're stretching the definition of immunocompromised yeah. to a point where it has no meaning, right. then it's true. But if you're actually using a definition that might be uh, useful, it's not true. It's not true. And then here's the thing I really come back to, which is that when it comes to immunocompromised people, and of course, I know a lot about this because this is my line of work, and I think we ought to do whatever it takes to keep those people very protected. Mm. Um, but I, come, I put immunocomprom immunocompromised status in two buckets. There is transient immunocompromised status people getting rituximab, people who are getting a bone marrow transplant. And if you're undergoing a transient immunocompromised status, I think it's absolutely makes sense to do, do everything. everything. Yeah. Stay at home, mm -hmm. get your groceries delivered, mm -hmm. N95. And then there are disease states that are not gonna change that may be immunocompromised status. Somebody with 
I think some people would say asthma is one of them. I think that's a very, you know, the risk of COVID in somebody who has mild asthma versus somebody who doesn't is actually a very small difference. Right. Um, or, or somebody who might be taking a little bit of rheum, uh, methotrexate or a little bit of infliximab or something right. like that. Mild stuff. Yeah. Mild stuff. But something that they're going to be dealing with for the next 30 years. Right. So my question for this is, this person and this doctor and this, you know, this question is some people in that bucket of uh, static, unchanging immunocompromised status are choosing to wear an N95 mask. And my question is, when will you stop? Right. Because you're going to have to wear that for the rest of your life. Yeah, because exposures are never going to end. And never going to end. You've, re-nor- you've normalized it as being a thing. But I'll, I'll say this. I think that the cul- <clears throat> the culture is already shifting. Like even in here, like, you know, you notice when you go up and down the elevator and my thing now, when people get on, nobody's wearing masks. I know. And it, even in this group, like the frat, it may be like less than 2% nationally. And we have right. to think, of, we're stuck in San Francisco we're stuck where San we Francisco, see a lot. Right, right. But nationally, some of these cities... They confiscate your mask at the gate to the airplane. They take it away from you. <laughs> yeah, You're not allowed exactly. to bring it to Houston, Texas. Anywhere in Texas, right? Not Texas, you get take your mask. And out of are here. the outcomes that dramatically different? No, I'm I mean that's sure. the thing. I mean, this is why when people in the throes of things were were talking about Sweden, it was like, listen, you're you're basically checking who's at mile marker one first in the marathon. Yeah. it's a 24 mile thing, and it's still not done yet. Right. Uh, but by all accounts, Sweden is you know in the middle of the pack, and you can try to cherry pick some comparison. But if if what they did was so horrific, they would be standing out like a sore thumb. Yeah. They're nowhere near standing out like That's a sore right. thumb. They're in the pack. And so what they did didn't matter that much. That's right. Now, Biden um, uh, misspoke about the pandemic is over. Is, what? The, is yeah. the pandemic over? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. over. Look around. And then yeah. he added the caveat, which is that, of course, we're still having problems with COVID. We have to deal with it. But no one's wearing a mask here. People look good. I yeah. think that was what he said. That was actually well. I mean, <laughs> if, if if you take it out, of if you take it. Completely out of context of everything else this administration has kind of done correct. COVID. You go, that's a, that's correct. But, you know, maybe Biden himself is not um, uh, the problem. It's the people he's chosen to empower for the yeah, jobs. I think you're right. The Walenskys, the Jaws, the Morthys, right, right. who are uh, obviously well, completely off. Uh, Pritvi's or Vivek is my friend. Oh, one is your friend. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yes, uh, we'll, we'll talk so about. So I have to I have to recuse myself. Okay, from we'll, we'll, we'll omit him, and then we'll add in uh, we'll add in uh, the other players who are causing trouble. Fauci, who is not part of this administration, but who this administration continues to platform. <laughs> Why are you platforming him? <laughs> he's he's retiring too. You chose to platform Fauci. We platform. should have a demonstration where we platform. demand a deplatforming of Fauci. Well, you know, sorry, he deplatformed himself. He did yeah. because I think he's worried about what will the House will do to him if the House switches and they'll be. I mean, they'll investigate. Oh, him. interesting. And so I suspect it's probably something like that. But speaking of which, he's also on TV saying some stupid. Uh, stuff these, lately. Yeah, well, we, we know we'll get to that we'll get one. To that. Okay. That's a good quote. So, so what, what we're talking about? Oh, so, we're talking about Biden, 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 so, Biden. so Biden yeah. himself, I think he's his political instinct was always right. I've heard many accounts that say he never wanted to mandate vaccines because right. he knows the average guy from Delaware, where, you know, they, they're not going to like a vaccine mandate That's to work right. in a, you know the industry. He That's didn't right. want to do that. But his advisors, a bunch of people who you know didn't know any better, told him to do that. Yes. And it blew up in their face because they had a va- escape variant right after they mandated it, which absolutely takes away the ethical prerequisite and justification to mandate. To mandate it. And so that blew up in his face. And now I think his gut would say, we need to move beyond COVID. But they were all, all the cast of characters were back on the, you know, the, the talk circuit. Mm-hmm. Saying, well, let's oh, just oh, the president, the president he just was saying in the moment, in the room, around the people he saw, it looked like COVID wasn't playing. Oh, shut up. That's not what he meant. He meant it's over. Forget right. about it. it. Is, is, that's right. That's right. And you know what's interesting is like CDC just reported 2% of eligible adults have gotten the 
bivalent the new bivalent. booster. Oh, the booster that yeah. it was so important yes. to lower the regulatory bar. And if we had tested 15 mice, it would have been seven mice too many. Right. <laughs> and now nobody wants it. Nobody yeah, wants yeah. it. We're going to talk about that. Well, and yeah. also the same fact is true for vaccination under six years old. They pushed, uh, you know, right. five and under. Yeah. They pushed that. They lowered the bar. They gave so many chances to the companies. Nobody wants that either. The, I think it's like plateaued at what, less than 5% still? Not very high. You know, and and, and Paul, uh, we'll talk about Paul Offit. Okay. Paul and I talked about this even off camera about vaccinating young kids. Mm-hmm. And his take is, and I think it's not an invalid take, but I don't know that it's, you know, based on huge reams of data. But his take was that, Listen, we we haven't seen the kind of myocarditis and other things in the that I think he's hundred percent right. Yeah, it doesn't have the safety signal. And that's right. And what he, because he's in he's seeing a population enriched in. He says, you know, a good percentage, like even p- approaching majority of the kids that he sees that hospitalized, have hospitalized with kids with COVID or even not with MS, MISC do not have a lot of really recognizable comorbidities. Correct. And so his take was, look, if you can vaccinate that population and it's low risk and you save. Um, kids lives it's probably worth doing he doesn't he doesn't want to mandate it but so i thought okay i get i get that perspective but the public does is just not is they're not feeling the need they're not feeling the need and i guess a lot of these kids have already I mean, been infected <clears throat> i get paul's perspective that if you look around children's hospital of philadelphia and you see that the majority of kids hospitalized with covid-19 have no antecedent risk factors right it is a, a strong psychological argument that those are the kids you also need to vaccinate to prevent them from being in the hospital right but i think the the, the parents' side of it, or like the, the on the other side of it, they're seeing that the denominator, which is millions of kids, millions of kids, and yeah. then the risk of being hospitalized, which is maybe one in ten to the power of six, or one in the hundred thousand kind of ballpark, they're seeing that risk being dro- dropping with Omicron. They're seeing MISC decoupling from the infection with Omicron. Yeah. And then the other question I had for Paul, which I would, you know, maybe someday you'll ask him, is that the data that the vaccine in that age group lowers the risk of hospitalization. The Singapore study I'm thinking about right. is persuasive for kids who did not have COVID at baseline. Right. But is it is that true for American kids where we're talking about zero prevalence, perhaps 90 plus percent? That's right. Because Singapore was more like a COVID zero environment. It was. Yeah. And, and, and at the time of the study, they have ways they excluded kids who had known COVID. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, these are good questions. And, and in so- Singapore, you can't spit bubble gum on the sidewalk, or I think they may even cane, they'll cane, you. cane you. Well, that was a thing that happened in the 80s or 90s. I and remember if you that. get COVID, they'll cane you too. They'll cane I don't you know, twice. Maybe they'll cane you twice. You'll get long caning. You'll get long caning. <laughs> it, is, it is a long cane. It, it is, is it's like a, a long cane. Whoosh. That's right. And the pain lasts for decades. And what was the name of that boy who spray painted the car? Michael. Yeah, yeah Michael something and, who got and, caned. And, yeah, and Bill Clinton had to like beg oh, to yeah, lower right. from eight canes to four, because apparently this right, after six, right. it's fatal. Oh, what? Yeah, there's something about caning, which is like, people were like, oh, it's just a whack on the butt. No, it isn't. No, they hit you hard. They hit you hard. And like after four, it rips flesh off. And six, and then it has a fatality rate once you get to, I think some- you get infected, yeah. No, no, no. Even the, 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 you die from the pain. Oh my gosh. I think you die from the pain of impact. I'm not an expert on- kids now would die after two. They're so fragile. <laughs> ah, I'm dying. They get a participation trophy even for after <laughs> half a cane. Half cane. The, the cane is just lifted. They're like, what? Oh man, They'll die after two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, we were going to talk. We were going to talk about your masking piece, but let's go into off it, and then we'll talk about okay, your masking okay. because now we talk about Paul. So Paul did that show with me, and. And then he did a Wall Street Journal op-ed talking about the bivalent booster. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he reviewed Moderna's recently released in yeah. data where looking clinically at outcomes, infections and hospitalizations of the original monovalent booster versus the new bivalent sure. booster where yeah. you've split that booster into two half doses, yeah, two right. pediatric level doses. Two soft canings. <laughs> caning light, light. Light caning. Caning light. Yeah. Um, 
And what he, what they found was actually the bivalent booster group did worse clinically. It looked like it underperformed. More infections, now, more Now, of course, not the primary endpoint of the study. Right. Low sample size. That's all right. the appropriate caveats. And many caveats, yeah. But Paul's point was that it was not blatantly obvious that it is a better choice. That's right. Um, That's right. I mean, there, I don't know even where to start. There's so many things problematic with this booster idea. One is, and this is what Paul does a great job of separating. One is, what is the evidence? How many boosters do you need to avoid any symptomatic disease? Right. And the answer to that is infinite. Infinity. Because yeah. there's, it'll never happen. You need a booster. Uh, <clears throat> IV booster IV bolus. Yeah. And even then they're saying, you know, they went from six months to four months to two months. And now they're like, right. if, if if they've withdrawn the needle from the last booster, it's okay to slide one slide in. Slide another slide one in. Slide one in. Right? right. So they're, okay. So the booster, you'll never avoid that. And then what is the optimal number of boosters, shots or total doses needed to minimize severe disease and hospitalization? And it's a very open question. We don't That's really right. know. And it may, and obviously it's probably different for a 95 year old versus a, uh, a 15 year old. Um, but this administration doesn't seem to understand that there's a difference between the two um, because they always want one size fits all policies to uh, satisfy Lord Borla. I mean, I mean, uh, the American people, uh, <laughs> Lord, Borla. Lord Borla. Um, <laughs> the rings of power Borla edition. I will just say this. If any one of those people involved in these decisions end up on the board of director of Pfizer or Moderna. Yeah, you, 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 we will make sure to point it out to the world. Every day. And I think, no I think this is one time that the American people will really be pissed. Yeah. Because this is all that other, all that other revolving door stuff never got this level of attention yeah this is one that they got to be real careful yeah you know and you know the last fda commissioner he's like on some venture capital firm that has equity in moderna uh, and you know gottlieb is on is the board of director of pfizer oh yeah 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 and he's quite open about that i mean quite open it's it's fun you know what is also fun is watching <laughs> vinay prasad's frontal lobe activate in real time when you're about to drop a a, 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 a curse word i saw it <laughs> and you were just like and you could just see like a little electrical current right here from the frontal cortex just right back to your i'm limit. just i'm just seeing if it's possible the fan you know there's a subset of fans that really want us to curse constantly. Yes, of yeah, course. That's that. and that's the audience that I wanted. That, but they're no, my people. But, yeah. But there's a subset that really, you know, it's it's a, a what it is is a sanctity versus degradation offense again. And I get it. I do get it. There is a certain. I used to really hate that kind of stuff, like the whole sanctity thing. Like, oh, that's right. just, it's really just it's beneath you. It's this <clears> that the other thing. But now I understand it more. The older I get, older I'm like, I get. you I know, there is yeah. a certain. Decorum. Decorum. There's a certain, almost a purity sense that humans are born with. It's a kind of disgust aversion. And and, and it's evolutionary. Like you don't want to, you see a dead pig on the ground that's rotting with flies in it. You don't go and eat it. Correct. And it's the same with like, you know, a whole bunch of F-bombs to a certain sensibility. That's almost like seeing a piece of poo on the ground. And you're yeah, like, they find it, uh, I was listening to And you to know this. what? I want to prove to them that, you know, I don't have to swear to make my point. That's the thing. And I don't have to drink to have a good time. Z. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Just make just makes it easier. Just, just make makes it, it easier. easier. I mean, I go right to the crack pipe because I find the crack pipe. <laughs> it's a stimulant. It's also a relaxant. Well, you're in the right city for that, San Francisco. So, oh I'm sure my. that they'll happy uh, well, to. I'll, they'll probably give you one. I gotta you know? say this. They'll so. probably give you one, like said SF Pride. Oh, we totally. It says Mayor London Breed presents you with this. <laughs> you know, when you go to the airport in some some cities, they have like the mayor uh, on this tram. It's always like uh, Mayor Pickles McGillicuddy of Orlando welcomes <laughs> yeah. you to the center of joy in the universe. In uh, San Francisco, it's like. Yo, we got you a crack pipe, Bill. Almost <laughs> oh, the B yeah. word. Almost the semi. So, so yeah. you know, I think that um, although I'm, you know, obviously a big proponent of harm reduction, yes, even in that space, yes, you know, I think that 
San Francisco does have some policies they need to optimize. It's getting it's getting a difficult. And I'll say this: when I dicey. rode in on the Uber to go do this talk, oh yeah, even my Uber driver, who was Russian, yeah. was like, "This place disgusting." <laughs> Because we, we were driving through, you're coming from the suburbs, he's like, it's gotten worse. When I was here, uh, it, it, only three homeless people. Now, 23 and all smoking crack at once. I'm getting contact high. <laughs> Just driving through I mean, in Prius. I, I, I had the, a European visitor who pointed out that, you know, that the percentage of people homeless who were not wearing pants was like a, and, and this is somebody who's like been to cities like Paris that it's had a lot of homeless. It's because of Zoom. But even there, the pant wearing was a lot. Anyway, okay. But here's what somebody wrote to me about Paul Offit to speak, speaking oh, yeah, of yeah, his yeah. praises. Yeah. Listen to Z Dog Paul Offit interview this morning. Wow. Paul Offit should be CDC director or perhaps have oversight over vaccine approval at FDA, the former Groover Cross position. Why? Board certified pediatric infectious disease specialist, physician scientist, has published numerous academic papers sees patients clinically, understands the basic science of immunology, understands public health, impeccable reputation among vaccine advocates, made a vaccine himself, can interpret data well, ranging from basic science to epidemiologic data, outstanding communicator, understands knowns and unknowns, willing to admit what we don't know, willing to change his mind if presented with new data, understands discussions of risks and benefits, willing to engage with people who interpret data differently than him. You just went through the checklist of what we all ought to be looking for in every critical <clears throat> thinking public physician official, period. In everybody, honestly. L let me do some of the other administrators of the- Oh, okay. please do. Ashish Jha, board certified pediatric professional. No, he's not. He's a Twitter pundit frequently seen on cable TV. I mean, that's how they found him. <laughs> physician scientist, I guess so. Has published numerous, yes. Yes. Sees patients clinically, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I think he used to have a, like a- half-day internal medicine clinic at the VA, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, understands basic science of immunology. No comment. <laughs> understands public health. No comment. <laughs> Has an impeccable reputation among vaccine advocates. No, he has no reputation there. Made a vaccine himself. No. Can interpret data well. No comment. Understand. <laughs> I'll say to communicate. Yes, I'll give him that. Yeah. Understands knowns and unknowns. No, he doesn't understand unknowns. Uh, or he may and he doesn't communicate it. Yeah. Yeah. Willing to admit what we don't know. Well, that the, the no, yeah. then you've already said that. And changes his mind if presented with new data. I mean, only if Albert presents it to him. <laughs> <laughs> if Borla tells him, maybe, but not if the rest of us tell him. Understands decisions of risk, discussions of risks and benefits, willing to engage with people who interpret data differently. No, that's the biggest problem of the administration is that they only have like a group of, they're like, we have the COVID uh, transition panel. That's right. Um, you feel free to wear your uh, N95 or KF94. <laughs> uh, you know, it's only one type of mentality. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. They don't, ha yeah, exactly. Although, you know, to their credit, I do know for a fact that they do talk to other people across the spectrum of, of uh, oh, good. Uh, to kind of, it's probably one of these deals, like uh -huh. which way is the wind blowing in, yeah. in the public, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they, they do try to do that. I think all the people involved are good people who have reputations and so on and are probably empathic and so on, but I think there is a corrupting influence of being in an org with a group think mm -hmm. and you're contributing to it by not cracking out of that a bit and and having a more diverse panel of thinkers. Meaning I mean, different thoughts. I, I totally agree with you, but I also think there's like a, a bigger point here, which is that like in the academy, how many people do we even know in the academy who ever go against the grain in right. anything? In the, 
You don't succeed in academy if you do that. No, and I mean, the whole profession selects people going to medicine to be obedient, yeah, you know, like yeah. you chasing your flies, like Lord of the Flies, you know, you have to do that lab work. That to was get in uncalled there. for and also <laughs> absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, where do I sign up? I remember going, I, I remember going lab to lab trying to get a job wow. and having to make shit up about why I was interested in whatever their shit was. Yeah. And the answer was, I just need to check this box off to go to medical school. That was, that was the answer. And you know, what's funny is my professor who ended up saying yes, was the teacher of our genetics class. And he knew right away, he's like, you just want to go to med school, don't you? Yeah. And I and go, you're like, no, I don't. I, oh, no, I'm really interested in genetics. And he goes, let me just pull up your final exam and see how you answered my very difficult genetics question. And what was interesting was I got lucky on that question and showed some random bit of brilliance oh, when I was I younger. So you and he was like, him. oh, this is really good thinking. I like the way you did this. All right, you can try it. You're going to make fruit fly food. They're like, why, why do you want to do this? And you're like, ever since Gregor Mendel. <laughs> <laughs> ever since I, Mendel I, planted that smooth pea and oh, rough pea. Oh man, I got all the peas. I got a Punnett square over my and bed. And who's the other one? Thomas Hunt Morgan, the oh, food the, fly guy? Right, 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 right. Was that him? I, I forget know. his name I forget now. his name. But yeah, dude, Punnett squares. The Punnett squares. And the F1 generation. And then you're like, but the thing about Drosophila that fascinates me is that so many things are X-linked. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like, you really threw off my Punnett square. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm really fascinated more with the mitochondrial genome. Mm -hmm. Is there anything involved with that? No. Oh, that's bullshit anyways. You know, I'm I view my yes life as now. in equilibrium, like the Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium. <laughs> <laughs> like the Hardy-Weinberg oh equilibrium. You dropped the Hardy-Weinberg <laughs> equilibrium. And I don't even know what that means anymore. Dude, it's some evolutionary thing, right? With like number of species, like number of individuals in a species and they get into equilibrium over- I don't want to oh even- my God. I don't want to even dare offer an answer what it is because that's how irrelevant it is to practicing medicine because you very rarely need to know unless perhaps you're a genes genetic counselor, geneticist. I think it has to do with- Allele frequency or something like that. Uh, okay. okay, you're gonna yeah, look it up. You're right because now while you're talking about, um, oh, dude, my AirPod uh, new AirPods just arrived. Well, I got exciting. a text. I'm so excited because it's got 50 percent more noise. Can nobody gives a crap. I just I'm if an I Apple ever fan, see you wearing those, I'm gonna smack them out of your ears. Punch me. <laughs> just, yeah, I know. I know how you feel about yeah. those. That's right. I, I forgot about that. I mean, CNN is basically a network show where they put AirPods in somebody and then film them on Skype. <laughs> That's the whole network. <laughs> it's true. Oh, we have a new expert here. With terrible eye contact yeah. where they're staring at the screen. Okay, Hardy-Weinberg principle in yes. population genetics is known as a Hardy-Weinberg <clears throat> equilibrium model theorem or law. States that an allele, God, you're so smart, Vinay, uh, and genotype frequencies in a population will remain constant from generation to generation in the absence of other evolutionary influences. Mm, These obviously. include drift, sure. mate choice, mm -hmm. assortive mating, mm -hmm. uh, natural selection, of course, sexual selection, mm -hmm. mutation, mm -hmm. Gene flow, mm -hmm. meiotic drive. I don't know what that is. Well, we don't, let's not go there right Let's now. not go there I mean, then. Genetic hitchhiking. Of course. Of course, I, I don't know what that is. Population bottleneck, founder yes. effect. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, inbreeding. I see. Uh -huh. Uncle dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, out, outbreeding there, yeah. depression. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Yes. And, and this is just for people. Oh, yes, classic. I oh, mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't I mean, have the focus where's my set. TI where's my TI-89? I'll, gra <laughs> I'll grab that for you right now. I but, still have a uh, Commodore 64, so. You know, the Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium to me is, is, it's like the back of my hand, see? <laughs> it's just like the, the Krebs cycle right over here. Right over here. You know? Pyruvate dehydrogenase yeah. or whatever. I don't I even know. Isocitrate dehydrogenase. And, uh, oh, oh, wow. I was like, do you want- How a, many ATPs you or want NADPH? A few, you want a few ATP? I do. You want a few? I'm down with it. I can help you there. But down uh, with if you want more than oh, that, yeah, you know me. I gotta, I gotta go somewhere else. You, you, gotta, go, you gotta go down the <laughs> oxidative phosphorylation. Yeah, if you want a little more. Go down the electron chain, the electron transport chain. It's funny that we, I mean, when I was in medical uh, uh, pre-med, uh, we had to like, um, like literally they give you a blank piece of paper and I was like, and I was like, today's test is to just go ahead and draw that. 
And I was like, yeah, uh, the most useless thing ever. Oh, to, to absolute garbage. But you know, so back so back to Paul, um, I thought that good he made guy. a compelling case, good guy. And if something changes, he'll change his mind on the uh, bivalent booster. And he made a point of saying, it's not for, like, think about the elderly, elderly, the people with multiple comorbidities. Maybe they're a good thing to get a booster in general, because like you said, even the smallest, even, even, even reducing their chance of infection might reduce a hospitalization, even if it were a cold. Yeah. So that's fine and dandy, but painting it as all adults should get this by CDC is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. And let me yeah. make one a couple of arguments here. One is you pointed out the low uptake, but I just checked the statistics and it was like 4 million people have already gotten it. Okay. And so my argument from that is that that suggests to me there are 4 million people who are rabidly eager to get this. That's They're right. very eager. Yeah, low-hanging fruit. Okay. I think you could, with the resources of Pfizer, and if you just told him, if you want to do this, we're going to need you to randomize 500,000 people in two weeks, mm, they would do it. They could do it. They could do it. Albert Borla would just say, look under his couch cushion, mm-hmm. find, find, set, a find 120 mil that happened to fall out of his pocket, <laughs> you know, and he could do it. Yep. And, and I would say that if you're really worried about the elderly, that trial is going to result really quickly because the endpoint is going to be accruing very quickly. Right. And, and it, it would be useful information. And then some people argue that, you know, there's a big debate in, in biomedicine about like, are underpowered trials useful or bad? Sometimes they can be useful and informative. Um, but the truth is, it's really important that somebody like Paul, as this person points out, impeccable credentials, says this because one, it gives a lot of freedom for lots of other people to talk about this issue openly. Right. Two, I think Paul Offit saying that really puts some of these universities in a bad place. Tufts University has already mandated it. You oh, saw that? He said clearly, he's like, I wouldn't mandate that. That'd be crazy. It'd be I mean, unfair. They are yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's I mean, nuts. It's 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 really it's really concerning in a time of, um, you know, great disagreement that a mid-level bureaucrat can make a decision at a mediocre institution. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, no offense. No, no, no. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. You know what? It's funny because you because we were talking. I didn't mean that. Tom, we, no, I we were you. talking about institutions. I, love, I gave a lecture there earlier. You, no, no, no. It's not a mediocre. Good... The, me, the bureaucrats mediocre. That's right. But you're great. That's right. You're you at least the Actually, best one, program in in bo- bo- one part of Boston. In one part of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the part of Boston that you're in. So, uh, yeah. but but it's funny because the what what. Why, why would they do that? Is it because of science? No. Is no. it because of potentially the general political bent of those ac- academies and Tufts in particular in Boston is already a very liberal leaning place that they're just part of this kind of tribal thing where some bureaucrats like, you know what, do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that it's a school in a blue of blue cities. And right. so blue and uh, and uh, the branch Covidian theories, they go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think probably many of the faculty who called for this were saying that if you don't do this, I'm not going to to teach my class. I've seen many professors say, how dare you have me go right. in person and risk my life right. and teach this class. Well, meanwhile, 1997, a teacher who taught a winter semester was risking their life. Yeah. And do you know what? People risk their lives all the time all for the time. noble causes. You go across and the street. You yeah. go across the street. You risk yeah. your life even in the commute. But yeah. I'm sure maybe you know, 10 years from now, we'll get to the point where if you tell somebody they have to show up to work in person, you're risking their life on the commute. You're, you know, I don't know where we're going with this, but I'm sure it was a bunch of professors who... They tightened their N95 rubber straps yep. and they were right there in the provost office saying, you need to risk this happen <laughs> and it doesn't take away anything from the experience. They're saying something. <laughs> it doesn't take away anything from the experience. Okay. And you know what? We joke about it, but like I had in my article about the masking in the hospital, there are people who are putting masks on people who come in with suspected stroke. 
Yeah, it's are, crazy. How are you even going to look at their facial they, droop? They get a sudden face drop. You don't okay, see it. Okay, so they're th- putting masks on elderly people who rely to talk to an elderly person who relies on looking, oh, at, your looking lips, at your lips. And and basically now you have an older person who's literally totally discommun, totally uh, d- cut off from communication with the doctor. And, and we're doing all this in a part of the pandemic when we've kind of really have the tools to keep this from killing lots of people as it is. So you wrote an article, so Sensible oh, Medicine. Yes. This is Sensible our, Medicine. What so is Sensible gotta, Medicine? So Sensible Medicine is yeah, the is new this? platform. You, me, Marty, John Mandrola, Adam Sifu. And you know, other, Christia and uh, I mean, many people. Many, many people are on our editorial board or board of directors. And the goal is to have a place where we can have actual discourse <clears throat> without the politics, without all the weird uh, <clears throat> bias that you see in, I don't know, certain large medical uh, news reporting organizations. That's why we don't let you write for us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You haven't written anything. I will, well, you know, okay. I mean, Here, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank, make your promise. Yeah, let's get the end. I promise. I'm not a writer. Okay. I see, right. No, the spoken word. I'm a know? lover, not a writer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what, what was interesting is what I'm seeing now in the content that's coming out is just this beautiful diversity of thought. And some of it's like Adam Sifu writing an amazingly moving piece about what it's like to be a doctor, the art of medicine and countertransference with our patients and dealing with difficult patients. And then John Mandrola wrote about hormone replacement Silly, therapy. he stepped Silly in Silly man, it. women's health initiative uh, trial. Is that mm-hmm. it, WHI? WHI, yeah. No, so now this is where sensible medicine shines. Because shines. he stepped right on the beehive he he made a bold claim. Yes. And um, his claim was basically that um, we adopted the widespread use of hormone replacement therapy for women, both perimenopausal women, typically in their like 50s or maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later, um, and postmenopausal women, women in their 60s, um, on the basis of observational data that suggested protective effects of estrogen and progesterone and uh, uh, and that sort of data. It was widely promoted by a company called Wyeth Pharmaceuticals that I think was like litigated to bits about this. Mm. Um, then Women's Health Initiative came out, I think 2002, 2003, 2004-ish. And uh, it, it was a randomized control trial of postmenopausal women uh, that showed no benefit of hormone therapy, um, but increased risks of cardiovascular disease and stroke and increased risk of breast cancer. And so it widely led to a 50% reduction in population use of this. Right. Um, so it's an interesting kind of series of events. Mandrola tells this is a story, and his point is that you can't trust observational data. I right. think that's the gist. Right. Now, two really great readers read this, and they said, screw you, Mandrola. Um, so one was, a, uh, I think, a doctor of epidemiology at Harvard Medical School. Mm-hmm. And this person said that what Mandrola misses is that the observational studies and the randomized trial were really asking different questions. Mm. And if you were to make an observational study ask the exact same question as a randomized study, which is that in a 63-year-old on average woman, should she continue or stop her um, estrogen, then the observational study actually perfectly recapitulates Women's Health Initiative. Ah. So you just didn't even do the right observational study. Ah. This is called a target trial framework. Ah. So that was the point of this gentleman. Got it. Um, the second gentleman, Mr. Dave Alelli, who's like a third-year medical student in Mount Sinai, but also quite brilliant. Yeah, Dave Alelli says that uh, Mandrola is wrong um, because he was talking about that one specific question: an older woman start, you know, continuing or stopping. But there is still a legitimate use of this: a fifty-year-old perimenopausal woman taking it potentially for a short period of time for right. postmenopausal That's symptoms. Right. And he cites a Danish randomized trial that shows that that might have some efficacy. Right. And then my basic thoughts were: one, target trial. Um, I want to be persuaded. But recently, the FDA commissioned uh, a series of clinical questions to have both random that had randomized trials, 
They asked the Sebastian Schneidelweiss group at Harvard to run a target trial on each of these, and they could only replicate 50% of the randomized trials. Wow. So that's like as good as a coin flip. Wow. So that means target trial, I think, is still immature. I mean, it still has work to be done. Yeah, yeah. And then the second point to this gentleman, Dave Alelli's point, which I think is very good, which is that I think he might be right that it is a mistake to read WHI as an indictment of any hormone for any woman at any age. Right. Because no trial can show that a therapy doesn't work under any circumstances. Right. But what uh, what the burden must be is for somebody to prove in whom it works and where it works. Right. The Danish study, I was looking for a protocol. I didn't quite meet my threshold of you know what persuades me. Right. But I think Dave Lelly makes a good point. So then Mandrola comes back with a response. And I mean, I mean, this is like, this is, and, if you're into this stuff, this is like boxing, man. Oh my God. And you put it all out there on sensible medicine. Yeah, and guess what they don't say? What? They don't say things like, John Mandrill is a cardiologist. Yeah. Why is he talking about yeah. a women's health? He's a man, he's yeah. talking about a women's health issue. They don't say that. Nope. They don't say, um, uh, John Mandrola never did a target trial in his life, he shouldn't be talking about this. They don't say that. They literally just focus on the issues. On the issue. It's so brilliant, dude. Like when I get those feeds come in and I look at the articles, I'm like, this is what we ought to be doing. Like this is the what the alt middle approach to sense making is in medicine. That's why it's sensible medicine. Sensible so medicine. So you can check it out on Substack, right? So what is it? Sensiblemedicine.substack.com. Yeah. Something sense. like that. Or just, just sensible medicine substack. Something like something that. Something like that. Just some Google permutation it. of the It'll words. You'll find it. It's and got then, a blue, it's got a blue logo. There you go. Looks awesome. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to it. Yeah. And uh, and then also subscribe to Vinay Prasad's Observations and Thoughts, where we don't <laughs> pretend to be balanced. We just tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> or the Z-Dog MD show, where I'm not sure what we're doing. You're not on Substack. You're on Locals. No, I'm on Locals. Yeah. Uh, by the way, so yeah, ZDogMD.Locals.com. Join us there, because we have these really great conversations. Who's going to win, Locals or Substack? I hear Locals is now doing some- um, They're doing articles. Articles. You can do articles now. I think Substack, I don't know. They have a founder effect, you know, to your Hardy That's Weinberg right. equilibrium. Hardy Weinberg, yeah, there's a founder effect. I, I'm more in the outbreeding depression oh, okay. part of that. Uh, You're the squirrel that got separated by the Grand Canyon with like two of its- Exactly yeah. right. And now I'm left to genetically drift into my own in feces. In inbred. Yeah, <laughs> totally. In, yeah, in a, Uncle Dad, in exactly. A royal family type. Uh, oh, Habsburg jaw sort yes, of deal. Right, yeah, yeah, I hear you. You're on that you. side of the canyon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. but okay. you know, um, uh -huh. I, I, to each their own. I have to say that you know I consider myself mitochondrial Eve. You do, I yeah, see. being mm -hmm. male. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, of course, being a man. <laughs> because now I can just take a claim to that. I'm just saying I'm mitochondrial Eve, but I identify as mitochondrial Eve. So I, so, 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 sensible medicine. You wrote the thing about masks in central. Sensible oh yeah, medicine. got yeah. and you know it got a. Uh, Got a lot of traffic. Did you know that? Yeah, a lot so of I, traffic. I look at the got analytics. A lot of, got a lot of hate click. Yes, hate outrage click. porn. Outrage clicks. Yes, but you know what? If anyone were to actually, oh, and I got a lot of feedback. Like, um, uh, at least in social, actually, no, there was no real feedback. Those substantive. There was the best feedback, which was that um, everything Doctor Prasad is advocating for in this article has already been implemented and works just fine in the United Kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is like okay. So right. what was my article? My article was, this is the fall of twenty twenty two last day we forgot yes. and we've had vaccines for almost two years now mm -hmm. we're getting up to two years and um we need to eliminate man we and we've eliminated man masking in like the, in all of america mm. i mean there's only these tiny pockets yeah the, the the gate it's sfo terminal that's right um you know the train <laughs> in italy but when it crosses the swiss border the pocket ends right there are these pockets <laughs> where people do it but many people are not doing most people are not doing it texas i don't think you're allowed to, i don't know if you're allowed to yeah, do it you or not. get shot get yeah. shot but we still do it in the hospitals. And we don't just do it in the room for the person who known to have COVID. We do it in the gift shop, in yes. the lobby. Yes, um, at the nurse's station. In the nursing station. And to be honest, it even that varies. <clears throat> 
if you go to a hospital in Texas, they're not doing it that much. Uh-huh. And I was walking through Chicago, a hospital lobby that feels more like a uh, mall yeah. and uh, ain't nobody doing it. Yeah. But in our hospitals in San Francisco, they do do it. Right. And my essay was arguing that we no longer need to make it a compulsion. It no longer needs to be mandatory. If you're a healthcare provider and you're going to go take care of patients with COVID-19 in their room, the active of COVID, and you have did not have recently have BA5, for instance. Right. You know, I'm sure you're going to make the right choice. Right. Which is you're going to wear it. Why? Because the downside of wearing it for 15 minutes and you're going to wear a fitted N95 mask. Yep. It has some negative on you. Yep. 15 minutes. Um, and the, the probability you're going to avert uh, COVID-19 infection is maybe a high single digit or double digit probability because they have a known infection. Right. You're going to do it there. But- you know, if you're going to see the next patient, an elderly woman who's COVID negative on entry, you've what? had three shots and you just had BA5 a month ago, hypothetically. Right. Um, and she's hard of hearing and likes to see your face. Right. And she doesn't ask you to do it. And she's like stated her preferences to the nurse. Maybe we can let the patient state their preferences. Yeah. And then, you know, why do you have to do it? And you don't want to do it. And she doesn't want you to do it. And also, if you're in the lobby, eat, or if you're in the ABP eating your, um, you know, uh, mozzarella panini, huh. you know, who are you helping by pulling it up between bites? And if you're the nursing station, yeah, you're, when you're all going to go to the, the Z-Dog the uh, speaking event this evening, right? Or the, or the Z-Dog potluck, which I ought to do. <laughs> you ought that to would do. Be, that's, yeah. that's money right there. The Z-Dog yeah. potluck. What are you going to bring? Oh, I'm going to bring anything that I can buy from Costco that I can pretend I cook. <laughs> <laughs> like those little shrimp. They're like, oh, look what I made, guys. Dude, people these days are so, no- they all know. Costco! They Costco. know it. They know it because they all recognize it because they all go there. And even if you have garments from Costco, they oh, spot they, that yeah, model. Costco! Kirk- Kirkland socks? Kirkland. Yeah, you use, got it. I, I am, I'm a picky on my, I, I, I only use darn tough socks, Vermont. Darn Ooh. tough. The best socks. And by the way, if you mail me darn tough, no. <laughs> no, they're the best socks. Darn tough. Darn tough. They're wool okay. socks. They have a lifetime guarantee. Oh, wow. I swear to God, Z. I never make product placements on this show. Yes. You buy these socks. Yeah. You're not satisfied. Darn I'll time. give you your money back. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good socks. Well, shit. Once I'm... you go to these socks, you're never going to wear those other socks. I'm starting to feel bad because I get the Puma little short socks from Costco and I burn through them in like six months. They get, they get holes in the holes. center of the yeah. Yeah. trash. Then I Puma toss socks. them out. But I mean, they're so cheap. I mean, Are these darn tough You're just giving priced? employment to some sweatshop lately. You know what? Out. But uh, somebody, some they, they need to work too. Those children the, in China need to the work. The darn tough socks, they're indestructible from regular wear and tear. Are they too warm? No, they come in different thicknesses. Okay. They come all the way from a very thin, you barely feel it on, to a, a sock so thick you could survive an Alaskan, uh, Alaskan hike. Like into the wild. You could. Wow. So that guy would have been alive with darn tough socks. That's would have. Darn tough. Pitch. Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> Going into the wild? Going to the- Go in with darn, darn tough. tough. I don't know if he would have survived, but his feet would still his be warm. His feet would have been not black. Not black. Right, right, He would have right. still had all the toes. Oh, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> do I ever recommend a product to no, you? No, never. You've never. never. I've never recommended You've never a product. done it. Never. I've never had anything to recommend That's until true. I had this sock. That's true. I mean, I will recommend- What are you going to recommend? That... No, I don't want to recommend no. this monitor. It's too yeah, expensive. I and I don't want to recommend the new iPhone 14 Pro because it's Throw trash. It's, trash. Um, it's fine. But, and I like it, but no. I, you don't need it if you have a 13. It works in low light. Pro. Is that what it, it is? works in low light. It well, has you know, an always on display, which Samsung's had forever. The Google Pixel is designed to uh, portray darker skin tones like myself in uh, more uh, uh, realistic light. So it's 70% less racist than Apple. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I'm sure it's less racist than Apple. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, it's a better. But to be honest, I think that has a better night vision camera. It's pretty good. The camera's really impressive. <clears throat> the other thing I've noticed is the image stability is quite good when I do Facebook live shows in my backyard. So I like that. This for me is a business thing. Like if I don't have this, like I don't do my show. You go out of business. I go out of business. 
And then what? But I'll tell you what, if I ever see you on an airplane with your two AirPods in watching a movie on that phone. Oh, punch me in the I'm face. Gonna punch I you won't right do the, it. I'll punch you right in no, the face. No, this is what I use my AirPods for. Nothing but noise cancellation on an air flight. It's almost like putting in earplugs. I do put in earplugs sometimes. Oh yeah, I used to. I used yeah. to. The problem is then I can't turn them off easily when the woman comes by and is like, um, you can't smoke I in know. the cabin. And I'm like, you can't smoke in the cabin. I don't know why they try to talk to us on the flight. I wish they wouldn't. I wish they would. I Especially wish on Southwest. A, push a button on the seat totally, that says, I totally. just want. I, yeah, and you know silent. what? The announcements? Useless. I mean, how many, they literally, I was on a flight recently and they show you how to put on the life jacket by Dude, the way, if we're in a situation, mm-hmm. if we're in a situation where I need to reach under my seat yeah. and and blow into that red tube yeah. to inflate my own life jacket, I think I'd rather just die. I think I'm not coming off. I'm not coming not, back. That's not. Yeah, I'm not coming back, Z. No, I don't think so. That little whistle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway in the Pacific Ocean. It's like an airplane rape whistle they just have on there in case like there's a shark coming. You're like, oh my God. Yeah, I don't don't fully understand the purpose of all that since everybody's heard it at 10 and here's how you buckle. Here's how you buckle. And here's how you unbuckle. Unbuckle it. If you've never buckled, and of in course, it's life. all in English. So like, you know, the Spanish speaker or someone else can't. Now, when you go on international flights, it's interesting because the English is always part of it. But then you get to hear like yeah, yeah, Mandarin. I kind of find that And nice. it's very, it's quite beautiful when it's you hear the, the Queen's Mandarin. Oh. Like you go on a Cafe Pacific flight or something and it's like, Shaoxing, Ni Hao, and it goes through the oh, whole thing. And the, perf- the tones are perfect and you're like, oh, this is the gold standard Mandarin. And you're the expert, obviously. I, I know, know not I mean, a word no, of well, Mandarin. You're, like, I, uh, you're but, the Mark Zuckerberg of Mandarin. I mean, no, you get the tone, but you don't know any of the vocabulary. I don't know he has any all of the, vo- the vocabulary. And none of the tone. None of the none of that. What's going on with Zuck? I don't know. What is going on? He's getting a lot of hate in articles on in business things saying Zuckerberg's oh, yeah. destroying so, Facebook. And- so why did a guy who made like the worst product ever? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't understand the dude at all. I mean, like I've always said, I've always said, let uh, hypothetically, let's say I make some app and let's say it's successful. And let's say you offer me a billion dollars for that app. Mm. Sold. Yeah. There's no app that I'm going to hold on to, to build a, you know, a Carnegie Mellon corporation, you know, a, a, right. a, a, a Rockefeller, a right. Standard Oil corporation on. So I just don't understand the motivation of somebody who they think like, I don't know, does he actually believe that like he's providing societal event? I mean, I mean, it's he a, has it's a to website. have some internal delusional ability here. Or he's seeing something we don't see, which is still a possibility. Like this whole metaverse thing. Maybe he sees something. I tell you, every time I put on, so, so Facebook sent me a free, uh, Quest 2 because I have a big- That headset. The headset. And I put it on and I played with it for maybe an hour and I was like, okay, I'm bored. I mean, I just don't understand how anyone thinks that all of these things that take us away from real Reality. in-person real yeah. in-person relationships are- uh, A good thing. Th- yeah, they're not good. They well, all, they, everything makes life worse. I mean, here we are doing this in person and I guess technology helps because people can listen to us who aren't here. Right. But that's the same way television has always been and yep. radio. Yep. But what makes this different is you take people and on their Friday night when they should be out with friends, yeah. they're on these stupid apps. Yeah. When they're at dinner and they see them looking at their phone, yep. that's another thing that can get you punched. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah. Well, so it's interesting. So you would think in spirituality and like meditation and awakening in those kind of circles that there'd be a lot of uh, suspicion about technology and saying, oh, you know, this is bad. <clears throat> and what I found actually is uh, like, my buddy Angelo, he says the YouTube algorithm in particular has been 
it's probably led to more awakening than anything. And the reason is people start to show that they're, they're having these experiences in their own experience and, and they're starting <clears throat> to find certain, they're starting to search things. And then the algorithm just seems to supernaturally know what to show you. So it'll show you this teacher doing this meditation, this teacher doing that. And so people really have these profound life-changing shifts, but so that's all wonderful. That's great. Then they go to an actual in-person meditation retreat and it's just a different level. And people are silent. They're not even talking to each other, but they're there in each other's presence, uh, all with a shared intent. There's something there that is so transformative that no technology, like you can't, I don't think you'd do it in a <clears throat> VR. It's just not, it's not the same. It's very interesting. So so both, so they're they're, they're complementary when you treat them like that. Sure. When, when, when Zuckerberg's like, no, we're gonna replace Real life, real life with uh, the metaverse. And we're going to change the name to Meta. But let me let me draw a distinction. <clears throat> Podcast, YouTube, your outgoing only, mostly outgoing video on Facebook. Yeah, that's one type of technological use. Right. But the ones that I view as very caustic are the ones where every single person on the platform feels the need to enter repeated games of interaction. Oh. Like Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Like yeah. Instagram, mm -hmm, yeah. where it's not just like, I mean, I do think some people use it like the way they use YouTube. They just look at like right, the right, people right. they want to, and inbound. we all, and you can always find a few that you want to take a look at, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, t inbound only. Um, but uh, Twitter is one. And then the whole like arguing with your uncle on Facebook. Right. Yeah, see, that's why Facebook is poisonous. <clears throat> I mean. It's, po it's, it, it's, that, it's that repeated, it's just, Letting everybody have, you know, just it, talk and openly and, and the feeling that you're talking and being humiliated in front of other people drive these people mad. It's, 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 it's a bad, <clears throat> um, it's a bad, uh, hijack of our more primitive angels. Like yeah. that's what it is. And YouTube does that much less. And Facebook at its best, when I've seen Facebook work, like you, you curate a tribe of people and they're there for a reason and they have certain rules and, and understanding, then it's like, oh, they're actually contributing and we're actually going somewhere. You know, like my supporter group there is great, but the wide open page, the kind of stuff that goes down and people attacking each other, then I'll get emails, you know, your your fans are attacking me. And it's like, I, I you think I can control that? All I can do is set a tone, but people, the Facebook is what sets the yeah, tone. Your fans, like, yeah, 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 yeah right, you mean right. like a crazy person who happened to do like a drop by and see something get angry because Facebook rewards the anger with more juice and more likes and more. Let me tell you something related to this. Um, recently, I was talking to a colleague and this colleague was like, look, you know, I agree with you, everything that you say about like the need for randomized trials and masks, and we shouldn't keep having these man mandates in the absence of robust data. You're always right about that. And then he's like, and it's consistent with your prior view, which is that you like to have randomized trials before you do things. He said, the one thing I'll disagree with you about is that if an individual chooses to wear that mask, you know, I, um, you know, that's just like choosing to wear an ugly shirt or, you know, do whatever you do. You do you, I do me. Like, that's right. okay. And then I say, to be perfectly honest with you, like, I'm not opposed to someone choosing to do something like that. Yeah. But then I would say, like, what if I invited you over to my house for dinner and you come over to my house and you just see me like washing my hands over and over until my knuckles are bloody. And like, every time I touch anything, I wash my hands again. Or every time I touch you. Yeah. And every time I touch yeah. your hand, I wash my hands again. Right. And then I, and, and then he's like, well, if, if you did that, I wouldn't be coming over to your house ever again for dinner. <laughs> But then I was like, no, no. I was like, you know, let's say you see me doing that. You know, of course I'm entitled to do that. You're not going to say there should be a law that prevents me from doing that. Of course not. Right. And I'm not saying that either. But as a friend, as somebody right. who like cares about me, right. you might say something like, dude, easy. I mean, like, yeah, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Like you appear to be having, and then, and then, so who decides where it's germophobia irrational right. versus re like if I wash my hands once when I'm cooking chicken, yeah. if I didn't, you'd be sick. You'd be you'd like, be, I'd be nervous. Be, I'd yeah. be nervous too. Yeah. Okay. So there's something like that. And what I want to say is that when I see 
a healthy 20-year-old yeah, person or 12-year-old yeah, person. Yeah. I'm not saying that they oughtn't wear the mask like there should be a law that prohibits them. I don't think so. I'm saying it as somebody with compassion for them, right. which is like for their own sake, right. like you need to chillax a little bit. Right. And I do think that if it weren't for these platforms that allow people to waste their lives in the digital space, right. um, that people wouldn't be doing it as much because they'd have to go out. I, I agree. I, I think that's well well put. It's almost like the whole cursing thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, am I going to come in your house and start cursing? Yeah, it's totally, I'm totally able to do that. I can do that. That's why I'll invite you over. That's later. right. Yeah. I mean, that's why <laughs> I mean, we're going to do it. For, yeah, right. For but, you, uh, Alan, Or if I reason. didn't curse, maybe you're mad. But the truth is there's a certain, you worry about the person a little bit. Like you go, I wonder about their mental status. Like, are they having an anxiety sort of bout? Are they depressed? Like if you came in and you were just like, man, oh, nothing's really going right. I'd worry about you. Or if I came in. It's the same, you know, it's the same be thing. Like, uh, you okay, dude? It's like, are you okay? Yeah. Especially if you're 20. And so, so, so you, you start to get a little concerned. Now there was something I was going to say and I, it, it escaped me. I mean, Ryan, I mean, didn't, you previously talked about your daughter's class, how like th that they're young and healthy oh, yeah. and they do it because it's the culture of it's the, the Bay. It's the culture area. of the Bay. And that, that just makes me worry about the culture of anxiety that we're creating. It's this kind of social contagion. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It goes back to this whole, um, you know, kind of why are we so tribalized and weird nowadays? And there are these series of quick crises. And the one is the meaning crisis. We no longer have a central mythology. Like we don't have Christianity or Islam or whatever, or even whatever. Like I actually think we should have the hero's journey as our central mythology. Like everybody, all of us are on a hero's journey, trying to grow and awaken and, and all of this and help each other. So we don't have meaning. So we have a meaning crisis. So we find it in these little groups. And some of the meaning may be this religiosity around COVID. Like, oh, I feel connected. Then we don't have reality anymore because who are we even going to believe? Are we going to believe VP who says we need a randomized trial? Or are we going to believe, you know, whoever on- Albert. Albert Borla. Borla who, who says, says that nine mice is one too many. That's <laughs> <laughs> why would you need another mouse? I don't know why I gave him an accent. He's like, yeah, he's like, no, he does have an accent, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, uh, he has some I never accent. Heard him he's speak. like, um, he's like, uh, we can't squander the mice. <laughs> have you ever sacrificed a mouse? It's yeah. very painful, quite traumatic, a lot of anguish. So instead, we will sacrifice science on the altar of the mouse, the murine altar. <laughs> the murine altar. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, th so that—that's the reality crisis because our media is so fractured. You go spend time in digital spaces, yeah. you're just going to get the echo that you want. Here's how I would fix the American crisis. Okay. And this is going to be unpopular, but I think it, and I'm not settled on this. I'm willing to tweak it. I'm willing to experiment. This has to do with genocide in some way, doesn't it? <laughs> we're, we're going to blow the whole country up. I think that everyone, when they graduate high school or like, or at the age of 18, 18 to 19, there should be a one year like American service. Oh, yeah. Okay. And here's what it should be. It's got to be like several options. You teach grade school in America, mm. teach for America, mm. or, oh, you teach do, for America yeah. or you do forestry work for a year, or you do... Um, whatever, um, uh, military work for a year. You do something in service of this country. And here's the kicker. We're gonna take people of different races, genders, um, regions, rural and, uh, and urban, different um, political spectrum, and we're gonna put you together. And you know what you're gonna learn? You're gonna learn that you actually have more in common than you have apart. You're gonna learn that you, know, you don't have to always advertise every one of your political beliefs all the time to people around you who may disagree. You're gonna learn that sometimes you're gonna be in a room with somebody who you may disagree with gun ownership and they actually own guns and that they're still a person and they have all this stuff you have in common. And then we're gonna make you watch. You're gonna have to go on, you know, hang out with each other. And I think it will do a lot for people to realize that that we actually have a lot in common. Dude, that's actually 
freaking brilliant. I love that because it solves the third crisis, which is the belonging crisis. The belonging crisis. The belonging crisis. We don't know with the dissolution of community and so on. Remember doctors had this sense of belonging in health 1.0 because we were the pillar of the community. Everyone knew us. We were trading chickens for services and so on. And now we're kind of institutionalized and commodified in an assembly line. And that sense of belonging goes away. So what do we do? We find our own little mini tribes and we feel like we belong. So what happened if you create the Teach for America tribe or whatever, and that's the belonging and you got to yeah. belong with someone who has different political beliefs. And like you said, they're not just spouting them all the time because it's probably counterproductive. And then you start to question all your beliefs and go, are, really, it's all kind of built on a little shifting sand in the end. So <laughs> kind of hold them, feel, 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 feel strongly about them, but hold them loosely, you know, especially when things change. I love that, man. I think that's great. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it breaks through the, um, uh, the addiction crisis too, which is yeah. the other crisis, which is that social media addiction because you're actually, people are in person. Maybe take their phones away. Oh, that when be you do that, wouldn't that be interesting? You should have to take their phones away. Yeah, for like a month. No, the whole year. Oh, that'd be amazing. Screw their phones. How would they communicate? Just through email, maybe. Yeah, yeah and, just uh, give them a device that just does email or a flip phone or a flip Boom, phone. Gotcha. Oh, that's nice. So emergencies, talking to mom, all that. You Did you watch it. that Aziz Ansari on, on Netflix? No, uh, sounds good this, already. He has this whole like flip bit phone where thing. he talks about like the addiction and stuff, and he's like, uh, he's like, how did you uh, overcome the addiction? He's like, who's we, who's who's here with me on Team Flip? And he pulls out his phone, and then this like last joke is something I I'm gonna butcher it, but it's something like uh, you know he's like you know, and that's why when I got here today, I stood out there at the back door, and I let him know I was here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Something like that. I, it's funny. Yeah. I saw the, I saw the punchline coming, yeah, and it was yeah. still funny. Still, I, he does it like an incredibly oh, long yeah, time. Yeah, for hours. <laughs> but so so it's funny. So my mom, who's 80, 80 years old, my dad just turned eighty three, dude. Wow, it's crazy. I mean, he almost didn't make twenty twenty two because yeah, the whole hospitalization, the hospitalization got COVID. Just listen to this, dude. He, they, uh, I can't, I don't even think I can tell the story publicly. It's too, it's too mm, much, but yeah, nursing home phone. screwed up, hospital screwed mm -hmm. up. And you know, he's got th three doctors in the family and it's still like a total crap show. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, my mom's 80. She absolutely, my dad is like glued to this iPhone seven that I gave him years ago. It's this one. big and yeah, yeah. he loves it. It's and like he's a like, spaceship. it's yeah. a spaceship. My, my mom would never, she had an old flip phone. Then when it, when it, um, when it died, AT&T actually forced her to upgrade to a different phone because they're like, we no longer support this 1G freaking phone that you're using. She goes into AT&T and the guy's like, oh yeah, you know, here's the iPhone and here's the this phone and the that phone. And she just bursts into tears. My mom bursts into tears at the thing. He, she's like, and she says, you don't understand. I'm an 80 year old woman. I don't wanna learn the iPhone. I don't wanna be addicted to the iPhone. I don't wanna look like these kids staring at the iPhone. I want a flip phone. I want my flip phone. If you can't give me my flip phone, just give me something that works like my flip phone. And tears are streaming down. She tells me the story afterwards. And she's like, I don't know what happened. I was just overcome. And uh, the guy's like, the guy like is just, told, I mean, he's a good, kid he's just trying to help this old lady so he pulls out some modern flip phone that's got many more buttons and she's like i'll take it and it took her like a week to learn how to use it but she absolutely knows the danger of having complete access to all the world's information and being able to text easily so she loves just having to like when i text with her i know it's going to take 10 minutes before i get a response and it'll be three words <clears throat> and it'll be something about trump always <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, but I mean, I'm sympathetic to your mom and there are lots of things that I think that we've like butchered. So for me, the pinnacle of listening to music in the car 
was uh, the CD player with knobs on all the buttons. Oh, yeah. And I had a big book in the back seat of like oh, 200 discs. Yeah, and you pull them out. You pull them out. You throw the disc you want in. And now it's like, you know, I don't know. I have to like get my phone out and get oh, Bluetooth God. connected and it's all this stuff. It's almost too easy. I, re- I rent a, a cars here and there. Yeah. And some of them, they don't have a volume knob. They have like that, you know, that touch yeah. button. I'm like, yeah, I want to be driving at 65, like trying that's to touch That's the problem some... with Tesla. Yeah. yeah. It's like all this sh- crap. Yeah. Sliding the slider. I want an no. analog knob I want a that's knob, this big. Yeah. Right. You turn the mm-hmm. knob. And of course, where I know all the knobs are. Yep. You know, and I think that's all down. You know, I, 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 one of our supporters in our, our group is an Apple uh, employee and uh, has been there for a long time. And he speaks, <clears throat> he's a very smart guy and he speaks very intelligently about these kind of interfaces. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's, there's a term for it. I forget what it is, where it, it looks like buttons. Tactile. Ta- no, yeah, it's, it's, there's another term for it. I forget what Haptic. it is. Haptic, no. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, Either way, it, uh, they think about this stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, for cars, and Apple's making a car, apparently. Oh God! I know, Lord right? It's gonna be like the the iCar Seven Plus. Oh, did you get the Max, the Stretch Limo Edition that has the extra memory? And I mean, like, how's that gonna? It's gonna cost like forty thousand dollars for like the entry level. Actually, that's cheap nowadays for cars, right? I haven't bought a car in ten years. I think that eleven years. Inflation is hurting the cars. Like the car that's price is sure. through the yeah, roof. It's nuts. Yeah, it's through the roof. We can thank. Um, oh, we're almost out of time. Thank Look at that. Thank. Uh, Thank, uh, we can thank COVID response. Yeah, I think it was the Biden capital injection and uh, uh, too much. Uh, that's what Larry Summers thinks. And um, what about Trump's? But I mean, Trump, I think he was uh, sadly to say that um, he, 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 he made mistakes, but he didn't give as much money to the, he didn't put the money in the way that led to the inflation. I think that is the Biden inflation stuff. Mm. It's because yeah, it was I like a lot that. of late capital injection. It was a lot of capital that was given to like average people. Whereas mm. Trump, of course, just gave it to the rich people. But of course the rich people <laughs> right. are already, they're already like, you know. They and the rich consider- people hired more rich people. I mean, Trump definitely screwed up uh, giving money to rich people, but right. Biden gave too much money. Right. Um, but anyway, but, uh, and, and. And then and, you have Ukraine crisis and you have all yeah. the other stuff that's that's driving up supply chain stuff. And yeah, it's, it's we're in an interesting and then China's crazy. Yeah, an interesting. China, yeah, I don't know. I but you know, look. Either we survive this as a species, and we do better, and I, and we all come together, which I think is what's going to happen. What you what you point at? I'm a bit of an optimist, but maybe pathologically so. What you point out with this Teach for America, like people are going to start waking up. They already do, and they realize that we don't want to fight. And we're like, this is just too much. Like we we, we want to fight as a group against something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Like and and not with each other as much. And and that'll happen. And then we'll start to get a little more integral in our thinking. I guess I-, I but we I, have to set an example. I agree. And I feel like that the easiest way to get people to fight less, I think, like the political thing that they're doing, that the biggest mistake is the mandates. Like, yeah. why are they mandating- why are, we, the, why are we dividing people with that? I mean, obviously- With no benefit. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, like, if you compel someone that they're going to get fired or they get the shot that they don't want to get, they're going to be really pissed they're at you. They're going to be mad. Yeah. I know, because I'm one of those people. That's right. Because I wouldn't have gotten that third, that booster, That's right. which was unnecessary to me. That's right. And, 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 and again, even just the side effects of feeling like crap for a day, if there's no benefit, why would you put people through that? And like at a minimum, like for you to compel me to do it, you need to prove that there's a benefit to others. To others. Not just to me. Yeah, right. Otherwise, what are you going to come to my yeah, house just, and don't like- Don't smoke. Yeah. Don't, and then tell me how much- Don't uh, eat red meat. Chlorthalidone to take today. <laughs> you know, they just keep sitting there and like make me normotensive. 
And then what if I don't believe in the sprint trial? They're like, right. oh, we're going to follow the sprint trial. And I was like, but the control arm but is flawed. <laughs> Mark Pfeiffer and colleagues showed in the letter to the editor. Like, take your pills, buddy. And, you know, can you imagine? Yeah. That's what it's like. Because I'm like, I don't believe that any of this. Well, that, yeah. At that point, it's just the cultural revolution again. I mean, how is it different? They humiliate us. Yeah. Our substack. Humiliate you, the substack. Sensible medicine gets like. You have to wear a big badge. Eggs it's on sensible. it. Yeah. Eggs on it. Throw eggs on it. That's right. But then it's, it, it tribalizes. There is a cultural revolution. It's called Twitter. It's like extremely oh, yeah. left of center, yeah, deranged yeah. people. It's deranged people. People. who are not it's it's but you know it's kind of funny because remember i i un, undid my twitter by the way they took my blue check away no did they yeah when when i when i shut off twitter for like 29 days and restarted on day 30 when i came back i had no blue check mm-hmm. and i inquired through the policies and it says oh it's a policy that your account has to be continuously active uh, to, to keep your, blue, your check. blue check and i was like okay so my my um turning it off takes the blue check away so i reapplied for the blue check just to see what would happen. And they don't give it to you. And they said, you're not notable. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this happened so to- I was notable before, but now I'm not. This exact, I think this is a story that happened to Cornell West. He was a tenured Harvard professor. He left to go elsewhere. He came back and they wouldn't give him tenure again. Yeah. But he already had the tenure. Yeah. And so and you're he like, got pissed. What? Yeah. But you know, it's funny though, because I didn't see you make a stink about it, but I see every day on Twitter, so-and-so doesn't have a blue yeah, chat. Yeah, I see that all the time. Like, you're like, oh, Jesus. shut up. I'm like, shut up. So, so the point of that was, so I go back on Twitter yeah, occasionally yeah. to kind of just see what's going on. Mostly to watch your tweets because they're so awesome uh, and entertaining. And I love watching the response. And so many people that I've met it, 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 like whenever you make a tweet, my whole feed lights up with you've chosen not to listen to this person. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, I've muted a lot of people who really hate VP, but there's, oh, there's a see. reason for that because they behave like you're describing, like tribal kind of lunatics. And just reading through, it's so fun to watch. It's like, you can tell by the description, by what the signifiers, by what the signaling is in the description, that they're not gonna like something that I, the, a video that I put out there, or, or someone's gonna talk about me and they're gonna pile on. And I know, you just know. It's like almost like they're wearing a costume that just gives it away right away. And that tells you something. It tells you that they're not thinking openly. They're totally tribalized. Yeah, and, and some of them are obsessed with me or you personally. Personally, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, half their feed is us. Totally. It's kind of funny to see. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And, you know, to be honest. Because um, I'm like, my wife doesn't think about me that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, come on. <laughs> They're like, really? You know, it's, it's it's sad. I mean, I can't imagine. I don't think about anyone that much. Yeah, um, I don't. But, I mean, I think that's what Trump does to a lot of people, though. Like, yeah. people, their whole lives become, yeah, I mean, there's to some degree. They're so obsessed I've, with him. I've heard people that I that I really admire that are friends of mine that are really, you know, I'm, I, and they say, I just get violently angry when I think about Trump. I, I, I want to, like, I, I hope something bad <clears throat> happens to him, like this kind of thing. And you're like, wow, man, you really let them get under like your skin. Like, he gets under your skin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if, like, he, there are many of his policies I disagreed with. Sure. Many of his policies. And some of those I think are really egregious, particularly what they did to the migrant kids and the families. Right, right, right. Terrible. And I think maybe borderline human rights violation kind of stuff. And there are many of his policies I disagree with because I think they're the bad direction. And uh, But, you know, he he – but half the things he said and did, I'm just like, this is a guy who just is just talking, just talking. Yeah. And like he has no filter yep. and he's just saying things. And I never got bothered. Like, Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Who cares? He's just – I mean, in fact, the more it bothers you, that's his superpower. That's his superpower. He knows how to trigger you. Yeah. His superpower is he's still, isn't he more disgust than Biden? Totally. I hear his name more. Even oh, totally. this day. All the time. He's like the most disgust man of the century. When have you ever heard about a president two years after an election? Uh, did you hear about George H.W. Bush talking around all the time, like during Clinton? And, and then he's like, I don't know, they're covering that like, he's like, the FBI agents 
those those files were neatly in boxes and they strew them about uh, to yeah, take their photos. Yeah, yeah. And then and the people are like, you know, <laughs> and then there's all this discussion about whether or not they staged the photo. And I'm like, Jesus, he's got you wrapped around his finger. Yeah. You're talking about You're talking these. about him all the time. <laughs> You're talking about it. And then and I like I think it's kind of like I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of funny that they come and they, they take the boxes out there, they just leave it all around and take all the photos. <laughs> and he's upset most that they just like made him look like a mess. Hey man, they're doing it for the gram, you know? <laughs> for the gram. <laughs> I mean, he's unintentionally funny sometimes. He's, you know, Marty has said, because Marty has met with Trump. He's met with Obama. He's met with all these people. Marty, he's, well, he's pushing for price transparency and real reform in medicine. Mm -hmm. And he said, Trump was freaking hilarious. Like when he would talk to Trump, he would make jokes and and it was actually funny. It wasn't like, I'm laughing because it's the president. Right. But uh, then again, Marty's sense of humor. Yeah. Marty. We need to worry about this. I know, what, right? Are there bones in this fish, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> this soup is too warm. <laughs> oh, Marty. I think we did a thing, dude. Yeah. All right. Um, good to see you. Good to see you as always. What is episode this? 26, 27? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we might be at 25 or 26. Yeah. <clears throat> Either way, I'll, I'll look it up and put it in the title. Oh, maybe that's one thing listeners should do. If you're watching the video feed, mm. you should go to the iTunes store on your phone and subscribe to VPZD. Yes. 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 I'll put is. a link in um, in the comments. I'll pin it. And that way we'll people will be able to go direct to iTunes and sign up. And the other platforms can suck it, but iTunes at least. And uh, leave a review. It helps too, even if it's a bad yeah. review. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see It helps a, us. So if, you, if you're there to like leave a bad review and you're like, oh, we taught them. It won't, it'll just help us. <laughs> so, But I would like to even read it if they're specific. If they're specific, but they're not. They're usually like, these two vaccine shills need to, and it's like. Uh, yeah, and it's like so half of them say he's a shill and half is he's a denier. Denier, so like, oh, right? Yeah. Either way, either yeah. way we win. Which we, yeah, one yeah. way or the other. Either way, the, the virtue signaling is done. Uh, and um, sensiblemedicine.substack.com, maybe yeah, something. something like it's that. Something it like, like that. that yeah. uh, sign up, just subscribe. And it's, it's no no harm, no foul. And then you get on our email list and we can bombard you with science, data, and rationality. Be and something stuff. that'll trigger you probably. And then you can come right like those guys did. And uh, then maybe we incorporate. Look how different those guys are than the um, the people who wrote back to John, than the the Twitter people. Totally. Oh, like these are people who know how to form sentences into right. thoughts yes. and actually see where they agree and where they disagree. That's right. And, they're pro- and they don't have a profile picture with 14 and 95 masks stacked. <laughs> Oh, can you talk about that one thing I want to tell you about? What was that? Oh, there's somebody who like throughout the pandemic, they've been a big proponent of lockdown, school shutdown, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And then they tweeted something like they were undergoing um, a procedure. I won't say something, a medical procedure. And it's an uncomfortable medical procedure. And they were going to the procedure. And then the doctor was like, um, if you lower your N95 for a minute, we can put the nasal cannula so we can give you the sedation. And this person was like, if I have to lower my N95, I'd rather do this unsedate. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. And then people were like, yeah, because it breaks the seal. I was like, dude, they're putting a nasal cannula. It's positive pressure. It'll blow out the air. I'm like, if you are so, you're so worried, you're going to get like, I mean, where does it stop? What if you need to have open heart surgery? I mean, you're gonna... This is a DSM-5 diagnosis. This I is a DSM-5 diagnosis. Your anxiety is yeah. affecting so your high. life. Yeah. And in this case, it's affecting the lives. This is another piece I wrote on my my Substack. It affects the lives of the others. There are yeah. children in this country whose schools are closed yeah. because, because somebody, somebody has a, a, like a DSM level a DSM level anxiety disorder, which is should be the cause for compassion. Yes, and treatment and treatment, but not, not public policy. Public policy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, that's a great way to end All it. All right. Now we've done it, and we're out. Peace. <laughs>